Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And uh, you know what? We might be looking at one of those games right up ahead. Uh, UConn's back in the NCAA tournament for the first time in five years, and we know we know who UConn is going to be playing. The matchup is set. It's going to be number seven seeded UConn against number ten seeded Maryland on Saturday night in primetime on CBS. It's going to be a great time. Should be a great matchup. And uh, joining me today is Daniel Oyafusi from the Baltimore Sun. He is a fairly recent graduate of Maryland. He's covered the team uh, for the Baltimore Sun for the last you know year and a half or so. Daniel, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. I'm so glad that you're here. So, you know, obviously you've watched this Maryland team as closely as anybody over the last you know couple of years. And, uh, you know, frankly, you know, I, I've done my best to kind of do my homework, but obviously I'm sure like, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, being able to you know follow the team clo- up close, you know, like you have. So just, I guess, you know, I, I'm hoping that you could share just, a, you know, your experience covering this team and just, you know, what UConn fans can expect. But before we get into that, I was just hoping if you, you, you kind of just gave your, you know, intro to me off the air, I guess, but if you could just share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are and, you know, kind of your story. Yeah. So, um, like I said, um, I'm from Maryland. I'm from the Baltimore County area specifically, which is about an hour from the University of Maryland. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm a recent alum of Maryland, and um, I've been covering them. You know, I kind of took over the beat, um, you know, halfway through the 2019-2020 the season, which was a really exciting time for the team. They were, um, you know, ranked in the top 25 pretty much the entire season, and they were uh, uh, really sh- a trendy pick to make the final four so uh, really it's really unfortunate last season's uh, tournament got canceled but uh you know they're back in it not as good this season but uh still still it's great to be back in the tournament nice awesome so yeah so this maryland team from what i gathered was uh you know competitive in the big 10 which is you know saying a lot because the big 10 was awesome this year um so i guess just you know real quick you know could you just give us a quick overview of this maryland team you know kind of you know who you know what their what their story has been this year yeah so um like a lot of like really most teams around the country you know um they didn't really have a lot of time to in the summer, um, in the springtime, to really kind of coalesce and get used to each other. Um, obviously, you had Anthony Cowan Jr. and Jalen Smith, who were two All Big Ten players. Um, you had Cowan graduate. You had Jalen Smith leave early to go to the NBA draft. So you know you're losing your two best players. Um, so you know this team had to kind of rebuild in a sense. Um, they also had a lot of transfers in the offseason, so they had to kind of figure out themselves. Um, and it, it took a process. It took a while to process. Um, they started one and five, and then four and nine in conference play. Um, and you know they had a pretty def- deflating loss to Penn State, where they lost uh, fifty-five to fifty to a Penn State team that they really should have beat. Um, and that was kind of the the kind of the, the breaking point of their season. And um, you know, head coach Mark Turgeon kind of met with his players, and he said, "Hey guys, you know, like I, we can't keep on doing this. We got to switch some things around." Um, they're a smaller team, um, which really doesn't bode well in the Big Ten, they have, which has some of the best centers and forwards in the country. Um, so they play a lot differently than a lot of Big Ten teams. Um, like I said, they're they're smaller in the sense of their five starters are all six four, six five to six seven. They don't really have a, a true center, a true big man. Um, so they they play a lot of five out, just kind of spacing teams and. Um, trying to use their quickness and their speed to get in the lane and draw fouls and try to get open shots. And um, they were able to turn things around. You know, they won five straight games against, you know, kind of lesser competition, but, you know, it's kind of a dogfight every night in the Big Ten. Uh, and they were, able to, they were able to kind of turn things around. Um, 
like I said, um, most people didn't want to admit it, but it was kind of a rebuilding season uh, in College Park with losing two of the best players in the conference and then having a bunch of transfers. So I really feel like the season right now, I mean, anything more, they already made the tournament. I feel like that's a success. Anything more would be really an overachievement. Nice, nice. So you know, who are the guys I guess UConn should watch out for this season? I guess we'll say maybe your usual five starters and you know the guys in general who are your top players. Yeah, I can break it down uh, pretty pretty quickly because you know they don't you know they go seven deep, but um they really rely a lot on their on their on their five starters. Well, I, I should say eight deep, but their eighth player um is a he you know he's a former walk on um Reese Moan. I mean he provides some really good effort minutes, so probably probably play about ten minutes in the game. But when you look at the starting five, I mean I have to start with Eric Ayala and Aaron Wiggins. Um those are their two um two guards, I and mean, really they have four guards in their starting five, but those are the their two main um two main guards they came in the same class together um eric ayala um you know he he's more i mean he, he really he started from day one since he since he got here he had a prep year um back in high school and he he came in as a really mature player um with anthony Cowan leaving he took on more um more point guard duties but they kind of share them amongst their guards um he, he's a really streaky shooter uh he's a he's about six five he has a strong build um so he kind of works perfectly for what Turgeon wants to do which is to get in the lane and um he, he really takes advantage of a lot of his size matchups in terms of height and strength when, whenever he faces uh smaller guards uh, and Aaron Wiggins um this is a guy that came in with a little bit of NBA draft buzz but he hasn't really been able to to put it all together over the first two years um this final month of the regular season we really saw his best stretch um uh, really in his Maryland career you know he's, he's very athletic um, he's also a really streaky shooter but um, he has a really nice mid game he's a really smooth player um, then you go down to Daryl Marcel who's the Big Ten defensive player of the year he's kind of the heart and soul of the team um, you know he, he can score about you know 10 points um, on a really good day but really he's going to be uh, the guy that we look to uh, you know everybody's going to look to against that matching up against the uh, book night um, you know, he's the defensive player of the year, so they're they're gonna put him. They're probably gonna put him on the best perimeter score, which is Buck Knight. And then um, you have Hakeem Hart and Dante Scott. Um, Hakeem Hart is a sophomore guard. Um, he didn't really play much in his freshman year, but um, he's really improved a lot. He he's a, he's also a really good shooter. Um, has a has a decent handle. Not really much of a threat to drive, but he can do that. Um, and then you have Dante Scott, who you know he had a really strong start to the season. At times, he looked like their best offensive scorer. I mean, he's really their—he's probably their best three-point shooter, really. I think he's shooting around forty-five percent on the season. Um, the points, the scoring hasn't really been there lately. I think it's because it's just—he's um, been devoting so much effort to defense. You know, he's usually guarding the center, and he's like a six-seven forward. Um, so that's that's really their their starting five. I mean, it's a it's a group with a lot of offensive potential, but they can kind of get streaky and go through these offensive scoring shots, which kind of worries a lot of people in college park yeah no definitely so you know i'm, I'm interested in hearing more about um uh, just i guess the team's style of play as a whole like you know from what i understand this is a team that plays a lot of half court ball they generally don't do as much in transition although apparently when they do they're effective so you know and then i guess like you said like their whole lineup is like all six five guys which is on one hand it's like yeah they're small compared to bigs but like for uh, you know ayala versus rj cole for instance feels like a huge size mismatch in you know maryland's favor because cole is you know not a you know i not a very big guard by comparison, obviously. So, uh, what's like just like the viewing experience like? I guess like how how this Maryland team plays, you know, in general. It's an experience. I'll put it that way. You know, like you said, they they don't run a lot. Um, Turgeon teams aren't really. They're kind of like no notable. They're 
you know, they, he's kind of known for not really running his team too much. But this this season particularly, I mean, they're not really equipped to do that because they only go like really seven deep. Um, like I said, they have an eighth guy that comes off the bench, but they're just not. They don't, they don't really have the bodies to run up and down and kind of sub guys out. So yeah, they will do a lot of half court um, play really slow. They'll be, you know, if, if they listen to Turgeon, they'll they'll be very judicious, try to move the ball around and get some good shots. Um, Sometimes they, they take really bad shots early in the shot clock, especially when they're going up against the zone, which will be interesting to see if um, UConn does that at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, really the focus is on getting into the pain and um, playing inside out and, like I said, using that speed and that strength and that quickness to, to try to exploit some advantages that they might have. Um, you know, getting to the foul line has been really important for them. Uh, I looked it up. I think they're – I believe they're 7-2 and two when they shoot over 20 – uh, when they attempt over 20 free throws, but they're 0-5 when they attempt fewer than 10. So, I mean, points can, especially, you know, like shooting, you can it can be really hard for them at times. Like I said, they go through these drops where they score, where they don't score for three or four minutes. So getting to the foul line is really important for them. No, definitely. So, you know, this team, you've had a ton of chances to play good teams. Uh, like almost every night, it seems like you guys are playing somebody who's ranked and, you know, obviously, you know, the team has had mixed results. You know, there have been some losses to some good teams, but also some pretty big wins. And uh, one in particular that stood out is that you guys went in, into Illinois and you guys beat them in early January. And, I mean, that is about as big time as it gets considering what that team is, you know, the season they've put together. So how did how did Maryland pull that off? And, you know, what I guess what's their blueprint for, you know, I guess, you know, being capable of beating a team of that level? Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, you know, watching Illinois kind of run through the, the Big Ten tournament, um, you know, even even about a month ago, before Illinois really started taking off, I was like, I was like, I, you know, that Illinois win is just going to be like really the, the shining point of their season. I mean, it's looking like it, like it got better by the week as Illinois just you know, kept on destroying teams. And to this day, I must confess that I don't know how they won that game. They were playing, the, they were playing without Eric Ayala, who, like I said, is um, you know he's in their starting five. He's one of their most important players. He he wasn't playing because he had a groin injury. Um, so for them to go down there and win that game is really impressive. I mean, really, it comes down to, to defense. Um, Turgeon has kind of accepted that this is a team that will go through these scoring jumps, and he and he's kind of said, you know, we can't let our offense affect our defense. We have to keep on guarding for forty minutes, and they did that. I mean. It's it's no small task facing Kofi Coburn and and uh, I would assume I would especially with um, Kofi him being a seven foot center and you, you know you're their tallest player in the rotation for Maryland is six nine so I mean it's really just a full on defensive effort um doubling the post rotating staying in front of your man that's really how they did it and then they hit some really big shots I think uh, that was probably Daryl Marcel's one of his best games um in his Maryland career you know he's not really a scorer but he had a career high nineteen. And they had some really uh, all-around, you know, great efforts. So, I mean, that, that's what it's really, really going to take. I mean, Turgeon said after um, their Michigan State game in the Big Ten tournament, he said, you know, we need four, close to five guys to, to play well offensively, which is, you know, most people would kind of scratch their head and say, you know, that that's, that's crazy. But for them, they do just because they don't have that one guy. I mean, I don't think they really – I mean, the only guy comparable to booking that on Maryland's team is Aaron Wiggins. And he, you know, his – when his offense is sh- – you know, he's, he's best when he's getting into the lane and hitting his mid-range, um, but his uh, his three-point shot can be kind of iffy, so they really need, like, four guys in the starting lineup and then maybe one guy off the bench to provide some scoring for to win. All right, nice, definitely. So what you're describing to me, it sounds like Maryland actually plays a lot like UConn has at times this year because, you know, 
the, the defense has been UConn's bread and butter this year. And whenever they've done anything good, it's usually because everybody's playing well defensively. And, you know, recently when they've been playing better, they've been playing much, much better in transition. But, you know, in general, they are they don't play at a high tempo. There's certainly no like, you know, one of those crazy teams like the early UNLV teams of like the, the 90s or anything like that. So in this game, it seems like it could be a pretty, it could be a, a low-scoring dogfight. So how, what have Maryland's games been like uh, when they played similar teams like that, where you have a low-scoring game? And I guess uh, how have they fared in matchups against teams that match up similarly? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, yesterday Maryland had availability, and um, Turgeon got a really good question, just asking, um, asking him what team in the Big Ten most resembles, uh, or what, yeah, what team. In the Big Ten, does UConn most resemble? And um, Turgeon had two teams. He said Rutgers and Michigan State. And um, I thought that was a really good answer. That's what, that's what I was thinking as well. Um, Rutgers and Michigan State are more guard-oriented teams. Um, Michigan State is a little bit smaller than um, than Rutgers. Rutgers has a has a really good big hit, big man in Miles Johnson, who I guess would be kind of comparable to Adama Sinago, if I'm, if I'm saying his name correctly. Um, you know, Maryland went... Three and one against those teams, if I remember correctly. They yeah, they, they beat Michigan. Were they? I guess three and two because they beat Michigan State um, twice, and then they or three and one. Yeah, yeah, three and one because they beat Michigan State twice, and then they they uh, split with Rutgers. So I mean, they, they fared well against um, you know these guard oriented teams. Um, I think that kind of a, a ugly slugfest is kind of plays into Maryland's hands because they're not really equipped to score. Um, seventy plus. Um, I think they're two and six when they played. Um, when they, I think they're two and six when they've allowed over seventy points. And one of those games came came against last place Nebraska. Another game came against LaSalle. So they're really just not equipped to to get into a you know a scoring match with an opposing team. Um, so like I said, I think it's a really good matchup um, for Maryland. I mean, I think there's some aspects that probably don't play into their hands, which is um, UConn size. Um, but in terms of you know just being a guard oriented team, I mean they have guys who can who can who can play good defense at the guard position, so it should be a fun matchup. Definitely. Well, it sounds like a lot of what you just said, and like, huh, that all, this all sounds familiar. I feel like I've heard this somewhere before. <laughs> yeah. So um, now I think I think a key, obviously, like the key difference between these teams, it feels like, is that UConn has a, like a superstar scorer in James Booknight. It doesn't. I don't get the sense that Maryland has a guy like that, but they do have a guy who can guard a guy like that in Morcel. So tell me about him and I guess what he's been able to do against some of the other, you know, really big time scorers in the Big Ten. And I obviously there's you know, plenty of guys like that. So you know what's a what's his track record against sort of the the top guys. Yeah, so like I said, um, Darren Marcel, he's a he's a four year player, four year starter from Baltimore. Um, you know, he's he's really been that kind of defensive stopper all this all this career, and um, it kind of culminated this year in him getting defensive player of the year honors. Um, you know, I recall the, the first matchup with uh, Minnesota, Marcus Carr. I mean, Marcus Carr to his credit, he's a he's an all Big Ten player. He scored about. 20, 25 points, but it was like on a high volume of shots. He took close to 30 shots in that game, and um, they had a rematch a couple weeks later, and I think he scored around 10 points, which is really good. I mean, he's one of the Big Ten's leading scorers. Um, you know, he's faced off against Iowa Sumo, and he, he's kept him in check. I, I don't I don't know the exact stats, but I know that he, he kept him in, in check, which um, was, was pretty good. He's also faced guards like um, Jacob Young and 
um, Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. And he, he's fared pretty well against them. I know recently um, he struggled against Seth, Seth Lundy from Penn State. They kind of ran him uh, around, around a lot of screens and whatnot. Um, I, I think that'll probably be the key. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've seen clips of, of Book Knight playing. Um, I think that if they do a lot of isolation with, uh, with with him and Marcel, that'll be really interesting to to see. I think that that's probably plays into Marcel's hand. But if you can kind of get Merlin moving around and put him in some pick and roll action, some pick and pop action, um, make him run through screens, I think that that's that's probably best because Marcel. I mean, he he's, he has really good feet, really good quick t- uh, quick twitch. Um, you know, instincts. He, he's able to kind of uh, react quickly and and, re- and recover um, if a man gets by him. Um, you know, he isn't. He doesn't have a lot of uh, like a lot of high steal or block numbers, but he's just really tough and stays in front of his man. No, definitely. Well, it sounds like it should be a fun matchup for sure. Since you know, Book Knight, obviously, you know, a tremendous player. Admittedly, coming off a, not a great performance in the Big East tournament. Um, you know, he, I think he, he, by his own admission, he played the worst game of his career uh, in the Creighton game, and uh, you know, obviously in the the DePaul game, he he had this. It just like his body just totally like seized up. He had the, the the worst cramps in history, you know, is so I don't know. Book Knight, obviously, you know, no one's denying his talent, but obviously I think he, he's uh, looking forward to a chance to kind of prove himself on the big stage. So it sounds like he'll have a fun opponent in, uh, in you know, Marcel and in Maryland to make that happen. Um, so, yeah, so I guess just like as far as like the recent history, I was going through it and, you know, I think you said before, you know, Maryland had a five game win streak kind of late in the season. That really is what got them into the tournament. And then they had a couple losses to Penn State and Northwestern. Then they go into the Big Ten tournament and they get a win. And uh, before they lose in the quarterfinals to um, uh, to Michigan. Um, so how exactly are Michigan fans feeling right now? Are they feeling like, Hey, we're playing good. Or is it a little bit like, uh, kind of where, where is kind of the program at right now? Um, I think there's, I mean, in terms of Michigan, I think there's probably some, I think there's optimism, you know, they're out there when, you know, Michigan has a bit of a tough, uh, oh, a tough s- sorry. I, 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 if I said Michigan, I misspoke. I meant Maryland. How, how is the Maryland fan base feeling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting for Maryland because it, it kind of depends on who you talk to. I mean, there's kind of the you know Turgeon is probably the most polarizing figure in Maryland, maybe in the state of Maryland. Honestly, um, you know, there's some people who you know they won't be satisfied unless Maryland gets back to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. Which I mean is, uh, I mean, I don't think the ceiling is very high on this team. And there's some kind of more rational people that are, you know, they're just kind of happy to be in the tournament. I think that. Um, for this game, I think there's a little, a little bit of cautious optimism. You know, I think this is a game that Maryland can win. Um, but, you know, well, we've seen in past years where Maryland is kind of struggling in that opening game. I mean, they're usually, they're usually pretty good in the opening game, but, um, you know, they've they've been a higher seed in recent years. I remember they, they were a sixth seed um, two years ago, and they kind of had a scare against Belmont the year before, two years before. They were um, a six seed against Xavier, and, and then they lost to an 11 seed. So it's kind of a, a different spot with them being kind of an underdog in a sense. So um, it's kind of interesting. I, f- I feel like they're really playing with house money. I mean, I, I, know, I know that they want to win this game, but um, like I said, just for them to kind of get through everything that they got, you know, make the tournament is a, is a success in itself. And at this point, anything else is just extra. Well, all right. Well, I guess, uh, you know, I guess to put it as simply as possible, how does Maryland win this game or vice versa? What does UConn have to do to win this game? 
Well, for Maryland to win this game, they're gonna have to play a great all-around defense. Not on not only on book night, but on just the the entire vibe that's on the court. They're gonna have to limit offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities. And um, you know, like I said, they don't shoot particularly well all the time. So I'm gonna say they're gonna need to be aggressive and get to the free throw line. Um, I said before they're seven and two when they attempt um, twenty or more free throws. It'll be interesting to see how this officiating crew um, calls this game. Because I know Maryland got a lot of calls against Michigan State, but they didn't get a lot against Michigan. So if they can get to the free throw line and uh, play some really tough defense, limit those second chance opportunities, I think they'll have a shot in the end. All right. Do you have any prediction? I do. I do. I filled out my bracket yesterday. I picked um, UConn to beat Maryland. I think it'll be a really close game. I think it'll be in the 60s. It'll be kind of an ugly game at times. But in the end, I think it'll just come down to who can make a bucket. Um late and you know i've seen maryland do it at times but i've also seen them kind of end games on 0 for 10 shooting slumps so i'm gonna go through time well i i agree with you there and obviously that i i appreciate you saying that because that make that makes me not necessarily the homer uh i think just based on what you've told me and just what i've read about this team i have the feeling that this could be a like a horrifically ugly game (laughs) like just like just defense defense and just you know, one of those games, just like an absolute slog. And, you know, I think both of these teams are equipped to win games like that. I just think UConn is maybe a better, you know, higher ceiling, I guess, you know, just, you know, book Knight or RJ Cole have the ability to make shots, you know, when it counts. And I guess we'll just have to see, you know, it's certainly, certainly not one I go into as a UConn fan feeling like, Oh, they're definitely going to win, but it's certainly, I do feel confident that they can. And that I know that if they lose, I'll, you know, most UConn fans will probably be really upset about it. So should be fun. Um, but anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate your taking the time to kind of, you know, give us the the, the scoop, I guess. So um, while I have you, is there anything else you think would be worth mentioning or is there anything you want to plug or, you know, anything like that? Uh, no, I mean, if you, if you enjoyed what I had to say and you want to get a little bit more, you can um, you know, follow me on Twitter at Daniel Oyafusi. That's O-Y-E-F-U-S-I. And then if you want to read a little bit more about Maryland, um, Baltimore Sun, BaltimoreSun.com. Good stuff. Well, you know, everybody out there should give uh, give Daniel a read. You know, does good stuff. And uh, yeah, so anyway, we'll be back, I guess, probably, you know, I'm actually not sure. Either Tim or I will do an emergency podcast or we'll just be back Monday night. I guess it just depends on how things go. But in any case, um, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll be back uh, sometime soon. We'll see how the first weekend of the tournament shakes out. And uh, you guys know the drill. You can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. Your DMs are open and you can also uh, email uh, us at yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts are great. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, see how this weekend goes and uh, should be a great weekend of uh, March Madness. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one.